Lord, on this feast of Saint, Saints Joachim and Anne, we have the opportunity to celebrate the beautiful vocation of marriage. And very often, Lord, when we look to the prayers of the church passed down to us, we find that uh, they're, they're very biblical, some are very ancient, and they reveal to us a lot about what we believe and who we are as your beloved sons and daughters. So this evening, we'll go through what's called the nuptial blessing from the, uh, from the um, matrimonial mass. Just one line at a time. Not one line at a time, maybe, maybe a paragraph at a time. And delve deeply into the beauty of the holy sacrament of matrimony. Lord, it is what you have called so many of us to. Help us to be saints in it. So it begins like this. The priest addresses the people and says, Dear brothers and sisters, let us humbly pray to the Lord that on these his servants, now married in Christ, he may mercifully pour out the blessing of his grace and make of one heart and love by the sacrament of Christ's body and blood those he has joined by a holy covenant. It's a beautiful thing. This happens kind of right in the midst of the Our Father during the marriage rite. And I always like to remind them, because he's already speaking of them as husband and wife. They're already married. They've already been joined in this holy covenant. And it's pure Hollywood and Protestantism that at some point the priest is going to pronounce them husband and wife. At no point during the marriage rite does the priest or the deacon pronounce them husband and wife. By the grace of God and their vows, they make each other husband and wife. This is one of the few sacraments that doesn't happen because the priest says something. It happens because husband and wife say something. They make their vows. So here they are, always during the sign of peace. I'll go up to the bride and I'll call her by her new name. I'm usually the one who gets to get to it first and call her that name. It's a beautiful thing. And then the blessing begins. O God, who by your mighty power created all things out of nothing, and when you had set in place the beginnings of the universe, formed man and woman in your own image, making the woman an inseparable helpmate to the man, that they might no longer be two, but one flesh, and taught that what you were pleased to make one must never be divided. There is so much there. That's a... That's, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a college-level class right there, right? When you had set in place the beginnings of the universe, you formed man and woman in your own image. What a beautiful thing. And what do we know of God at this point in the story? Well, how does God speak? He says, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. So there's a multiplicity of persons in God. Even before the Trinity is revealed to his people, God is more than one. One God, but more than one person. 
So to be made in the image and likeness of God, in part, is to be made for union. To be made for the very union that we speak of today. You formed man and woman in your own image, making the woman an inseparable helpmate to the man. Man, man, we need help. Thank goodness, the Lord, at the pinnacle of creation, let's not forget that, gave us women. That they might no longer be two, but one flesh. Let's not shy away from the fact that that biblical line is a little spicy. The two become one. Not just that they share everything, that they live under the same roof, but the two become one. And yes, that means what it means. What you think it means. And how wonderful is that? That total gift of self. That trust. Here I am. I am yours and you are mine. That sacred act within matrimony. How beautiful it is. And it's worth considering this, that if that, what the act says, what the, what intimacy in marriage says to the other is, I am all yours, will you be mine? And the other says, I am all yours, will you be mine? And they both say yes. In that sense, it is a renewal of the marriage vows. So the marriage bed is a sacred place where the vows that were made before the altar are renewed in your very selves. The next paragraph continues. O God, who consecrated the bond of marriage by so great a mystery that in the wedding covenant you foreshadowed the sacrament of Christ and his church. It's one of the titles our Lord gives himself. I am the bridegroom, and you are my bride. And what does the bridegroom do but give his life that his bride will live? And not just once. Yes, the one sacrifice of Calvary. Perpetuated throughout all of space and time. And it just happened right here on this altar. The Lord gives himself entirely to us the bridegroom to his bride. And that was foreshadowed in the sacrament of matrimony, for it's existed from the very beginning. A sacrament is a visible sign of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to give grace. So, in holy matrimony, husband and wife don't just receive a sacrament. They become one. They are, for all the world, a visible sign of the invisible reality of our Lord's union with his church, with us. You don't so much become, you don't so much receive a sacrament as become one. How beautiful is that? And you are a sign that people will encounter of Christ even if they never darken the door of a church, even if they haven't yet, they can meet Christ in husband and wife. 
You are witnesses of of the Lord's love in the midst of the world. The blessing continues. O God, by whom woman is joined to man and the companionship they had in the beginning is endowed with the one blessing, not forfeited by original sin, nor washed away by the flood. Essentially saying, the beauty of the sacrament of matrimony was something we never lost. A lot of graces were lost after the fall, but this was not. Look now with favor on these your servants joined together in marriage who ask to be strengthened by your blessing. Send down on them the grace of the Holy Spirit and pour your love into their hearts. Let's pause right there. Um, It's a bit redundant, but beautiful and poetic. Send down on them the grace of the Holy Spirit and pour your love into their hearts. It's the same thing. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. But it's very poetic, and that's very nice. But I digress. I'm getting grammatical on whoever's written this, uh, this blessing now. That they may remain faithful in the marriage covenant. That, Lord, by your grace, by faith, hope, and love given to us, we will be able to be faithful in the marriage covenant. But by the grace of God go we. It's a beautiful and awesome vocation. And you will not always feel, nor will you always look like you do on the day you are married. And can you still love them? Yes, by the Holy Spirit poured into your hearts. May the grace of love and peace abide in your daughter, and let her always follow the example of those holy women whose praises are sung in the Scriptures. And many holy women have their praises sung in the scriptures. Very often, the women whose praises are sung in the scriptures are women who are actually not part of the people of God. They're not part of the people of Israel. But by marriage, they become a part of the people of Israel. And they usually end up saving the day as well. May her husband entrust his heart to her so that acknowledging her as his equal and his joint heir to the life of grace, he may show her due honor and cherish her always with the love that Christ has for his church. How beautiful that is. Since they are equals, joint heirs to the life of grace, may each husband show his wife due honor Have you ever been honored by someone? Lifted up? Rejoiced in? That is an important part of being a husband. Have you ever been cherished? In fact, have you ever been cherished with the love that Christ has for his church? That is the calling of holy matrimony. That is what our Lord is asking a groom to do, a husband to do. And it's a a vow, a commitment that must be renewed every day. In the midst of saying this prayer once, I paused and I just pointed at the crucifix. 
with the love that Christ has for his church. A willingness to die that she may live. And now, Lord, we implore you, may these, your servants, hold fast to the faith and keep your commandments. Made one in the flesh, may they be blameless in all they do. And with the strength that comes from the gospel, may they bear true witness to Christ before all. There it is again, that idea that with your grace they can be witnesses. They can be a sign of your love in the midst of the world. May they be blessed with children and prove themselves virtuous parents who live to see their children's children. And let's not forget, it's kind of the idea. It's kind of the whole idea. Man, to love that person so much that you want to see little versions of them running around. And not only that, that they grow, they become adults themselves, they get married, and they have children. Essentially, the prayer says, Lord, may you grow to a good old age. See your children's children. And grant that, reaching at last together the fullness of years for which they hope, they may come to the life of the blessed in the kingdom of heaven, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The last paragraph ends with the point of the entire sacrament. Get your spouse to heaven. May they come to the life of the blessed in the kingdom of heaven. That's the ultimate goal. Many beautiful things along the way. So Lord, through the intercession of Saints Joachim and Anne, the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the grandparents of our Lord Jesus Christ. May there be many holy families. Amen.